This is the Poppin' Colonels podcast with Kylie Ostendorf and Megan Williams. So grab some salt and pepper and settle in for Poppin' Colonels. Jason Peter on the podcast, and we're super excited for you guys to finally hear this. Yeah, it happened a while ago. So we recorded this during spring ball. It is now fall ball. Our lives got a little crazy. We explained crazy. that in the last episode, but yeah, we're really excited for you to listen. Yeah, he has a lot of good insight, and I'm excited for you guys to hear. There's a lot going on in Husker Nation. We have a new AD. We do. We have some conference realignment, and we have fall balls starting, and people are starting to drink the Kool-Aid. Are you so. drinking the Kool-Aid? I'm, I'm never not drinking the Kool-Aid, but I think I'm drinking a fair amount. Like, I'm maintaining a solid Kool-Aid buzz. I'm not getting too drunk but I definitely don't feel sober. My Kool-Aid jar is empty, completely empty. That's the You've journalist been out of Nebraska me. too long. Um, <laughs> That's maybe what I've been out of Nebraska too long. <laughs> but after seeing that hype video on the black shirts, it went above empty. They go. It did help. I love that video. Hearing Will Compton on that, I love that because he like embodies what a true black shirt is, kind of under the radar. A wolf, as he would say. I love it. Yeah, so... The Kool-Aid jar is ready to be filled up, but it can only be filled up with wins on my end. I, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, there's only so many off-seasons in a row that you can win, right, before that has to right. translate on the field. So I do completely understand people who are in prove-it mode, are in, hey, I'm going to wait and see, and I'm going to sit back. And, um, yeah, I get that. That's not really how I live my life. I live my life <laughs> at, at um, I would love to be um, excited about everything, and then maybe I'm going to get hurt later. But you know what? That's just how we do things right here. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so here we have it. We have Jason Peter on the podcast, and let's yeah. go. Let's go. Let's Enjoy listen it. to it. Enjoy You're it. Love it. Um, give some feedback. We want to hear from you, really. So yeah, if you have questions, comments, concerns, send us a message. Yeah, just want to say hi. That would be great too. Reach out if you think it's great. Yeah. Let us know. So here we have it, Jason Peter. Welcome to Pop and Kernels. Well, we just want to thank you so much for coming on the Pop and Kernels podcast. Three-time national champ, black shirt badass, Jason Peter. Mike, check one two one two ninety four ninety five ninety seven. All right, let's do it. So tell us what you're up to with the Huskers right now and your role with the current team. Well, we, uh, myself and, and Jake Foreman, were volunteers. I think for the most part, Scott wanted us to come in and try to relay, you know, more of the mentality side of things. Basically, having to show up every single day and be at the top of your game. And if you don't have you know, your A game somehow or another, you have to find it, you know, and yeah. you have to find it quick. 
because come Saturday, you know, you don't get to push a button that says, you know, redo. It's, it's all, you know, for real on Saturday, and it's basically just getting prepared for that day and creating in an environment and a mentality that is just as intense, maybe even more so during the week, so that when you do show up on Saturday, it's you're not surprised by anything. But yeah, I mean, we're we're trying to, you know, establish to get some real, real leaders, some true leaders. It's something that has been lacking in the program going back farther than when Scott and and his staff got here. It really kind of had started kind of post 97 just a little bit by a little bit by a little bit you know it's just kind of that standard that always had been upheld or that you at least strive to achieve every Mm -hmm. single year just kind of you know, not so important anymore, you know, or, 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 yeah, it's all right. Maybe we didn't get there this year. We'll get there next year, you know, and you got to get back to the mentality that, no, there, there is no tomorrow. There's no next week. There's no next year. It's, we got to do it right now. And, uh, so it's just a matter of, it's, it's new for the kids, you know, they, they're, they're not used to that. So it's not as easy as say, oh, just do X, Y, and Z, and they go out and, you know, okay, well, I guess we're not needed here anymore. It's, right. it's not that easy. It's a process, but uh, I hate to use that word process because <laughs> there was a coach that here, you know, years back that like to use that word process. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, it is a process. Yeah, you know, the kids, they're they're great. We thought we were going to come in here and spirits would be down. You know, you don't you only win a handful of games in, in a few years. That was the thing that I think both Jay and I agreed was very surprising, was that we came in and they were fired up. They, they had been working hard uh, in the weight room. And, and I mean, anytime that we're you know, talking to one of them, they're always, you know, eyes wide open. They, they want to learn. They're tired of losing. They really are. Yeah. But just being tired of losing isn't enough. So it's just a matter of, of them understanding that. Yeah, definitely. So who are some of those players that are taking on the leadership role in the locker room? Yeah, well, it's, it, it's a different sort of situation as say back in you know the mid to late 90s and even prior where the leadership always kind of came from the seniors you know even if you were uh, I mean it's 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 something that I know Grant and myself we talk about like in 1996 we were both you know returning starters but it wasn't our turn yet to be that guy in the locker room and when we kind of look back at that team it's it's like you know the one thing that was really kind of missing was like vocal leadership we had guys that led by example Mm -hmm. but nobody that was willing to get in other people's faces and grab fast face masks and say that's not good enough and and you know hold each other to a, a certain standard and that is sometimes the difference in in being a uh, a five-win team and, and being a 11- and 12-win team or the difference of, of, you know, losing in the Big 12 championship or, or winning a national championship. It, you really get to a point where you're splitting hairs, you know, because the level of competition is, is so great everywhere. You know, they've got some guys for sure, I think, that fit the mold, but it's also a different kid now than, than say, when, when I was in school. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we were just sitting in the in the lunchroom and we were kind of looking over at, at some of the players and they all were sitting there together, but they all were in on their phone. You yeah. know, nobody's mm-hmm. talking to one another. They're all just kind of, you know, what what's going on on my social media or, mm-hmm. you know. And you're obviously going to have an element of that no matter where you are, but I also think in order to be a great team, you have to be comfortable with being able to look a teammate appear in the eye and say, that's, can I curse on this? Yeah. Yeah. That's bullshit. That's garbage. You know, you need to do that over again. Um, They definitely have to kind of get out of their comfort zone with some of the stuff that we're asking them to do. But, you know, just from a defensive line standpoint, um, you know, that's who I spend most of my time with. I think Ty, uh, you know, Robinson is is, uh, a guy who's got tremendous, you know, upside. I don't even know if there's a ceiling on him at all. I try to tell him he's, you know, a 20-pound version, 20-pound, 20 pound heavier version of myself but he just hasn't got the the mental side of 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 things yet I mean he's big he's fast Mm -hmm. he's strong he's everything you look for in a defensive lineman the same with with Casey Rogers and and uh you know they got a a a handful of guys um on that that defensive line that can play but they got to learn how to play for one another as the whole the, the whole group does and on offense you know you have guys like cam and and adrian obviously you know these are guys that that gonna have to step up and take on more of that uh um, you know not bad guy role but i didn't care if if guys liked me you know i, I came to nebraska to to win championships and if people on the team didn't like me so be it but you know at the end of the day it's funny when we have like reunions and stuff and people you know you come back and you start talking they'll be like man you know i I didn't really like you very much you know back then but (laughs) you know what when they have rings on their finger and stuff it's at the end of the day you all everybody realizes the 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 worth of something like that once they're removed from it and are able to look back on it. So I like the guys that are in this locker room. I really do. I know there's been a lot of talk sometimes, maybe too much. We, we like to talk before actually doing anything. We got to get back to just kind of talking with, you know, our pads and, and winning football games. Yeah, definitely. So what's it like working for your former teammate? <laughs> Or not really working yeah. for him, but no, you know, yeah, I mean. yeah. volunteering for yeah. your yeah. former Ultimately, teammate. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I, Scott, is this okay if I do this? Yeah, I mean that's the way it is. But he's, he he's not, you know, uh, micromanaging. Um, he's he's got great people uh, down there. He lets them do their thing, and it's the same thing. Uh, I think with with myself, he he said, you know, I really could use you kind of almost rubbing off on on a lot of these guys and uh so you know he's people it's funny because things obviously have not gone as planned oh maybe not even not as planned but things aren't happening as quick as maybe we all would have liked them to be and you have you know this part of the social media fans or whatever that are just like you know uh, scott can't do this right he can't do that right and it's like whoa 
Is, do we need to rewind this this whole thing back? You know, a few years. Scott was the guy. Do you know? And it just the so happened, guy. like he was a Nebraska guy. He was one of us. So, yep. so we got the guy. Mm-hmm. Now that things you know haven't gone as planned, you can't just you know all of a sudden say, ah, oh, he's you know on to the next guy. Like this this thing, and not to to harp on like what had happened in with previous regimes or whatever but it it was a mess you know and it had been a mess for a while and and uh, you can put a band-aid on things sometimes and you can kind of sell it to the fans as you know it being fixed but at the end of the day you you the people inside that building know whether it's it's truly fixed or not and you could see I know for myself as a former player like I could I could watch a game and even you know look at a stat sheet and and say well that's not really a clear picture of what happened out there on the field so you know good football when you when you see it and i think when you look at nebraska most of the 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 problems have been self-inflicted you know you can't come out and start series by going backwards you can't come out and you know first and 20 every time it, it you're constantly playing from behind and you're playing catch up and you know those were were self-inflicted things uh, whether it be the the snaps or holding calls or or you know even from a, a coaching standpoint you know Scott uh, he's taken responsibility he knows that there have been times where uh, you know if he had you know just chewed a little bit more clock here or you know taking a time out there but that's all that's all hindsight hindsight's 2020 it's mm-hmm. easy to say oh we should have done that we should have done this um, he's doing what he thinks is best in that in the moment in the time and and uh, you know it's different from when you're sitting there on your on your couch and you're on your phone and mm-hmm. and it's like oh yeah 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 you know, we should done you know he's he's there and he's got to make a call when it counts because there's no redo buttons you know when you're the head coach either but there's nobody else that, that I mean there's a reason that I you know people it's funny because they think like Scott and I were like I always see oh you and your boy you and your boy like Scott and I I mean we, you know he was quarterback on the team we were uh, we were cordial we were friends you know we weren't hanging out all the time or anything that's not why I wanted him to, to be here. I wanted him to be here because I, I know what is kind of pumping through those veins. I know what he's made of. I know what he's had to fight through as a player. And I know him obviously being at Northern Iowa and, and down at UCF was able to, to watch from kind of a distance, but also know kind of the inside as well. And I just, I just know that he is the right guy. Even with uh, the lack of success that we've had, I still wouldn't change my mind if somebody asked me, you know, if we could change and bring in, you know, somebody else. You know, I, I, Scott is the guy. And I'm a firm believer that it's m- more evident now in the just the the whole college football world that you need somebody who understands Nebraska um, to to be successful here I really do and you need it you need somebody where it actually means something to them because this would be an easy place for somebody to come in no strings no ties or anything have some success and then all of a sudden 
you know, a USC or somebody comes calling, and you know what? That guy's probably gone mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm sure his wife and family, they'd love to be in a city where there's a beach or there's an actual, like, you know, a big city or something. You don't have to worry. Like, like Scott, he, he wants, you know, he this is I home. Think hopes to be the coach here for, you know, the next 20 years, 25 years, however yeah. long. You 40 know, years. Uh, yeah, 40 years. Yeah, yeah. whatever <laughs> it may be. Um, it's just a matter of, of you know, building this thing on, on a good foundation. And, you know, hopefully we get that done here soon. And having a little faith. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, he, he didn't, you know, it, he's probably forgotten more football than most of us know, um, you know. And uh, he's always been a student of the game. He's obviously learned and played, coached. And, and played under some some great, you know, figureheads in, in the college football world. It's just you know he's still he's still a young coach. I mean he's Absolutely. only got you know a handful of years as as a guy running you know his own ship. So yep. you know it's it's there's still lots of times where it's it's learning time for him as well too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was here for his very first game a few years back, and my dad and I were on the sidelines, and the electricity at Memorial Stadium was unreal. Yeah, felt I felt different. like there was just so much hype, and it felt different. And I think, in a sense, like Scott Frost, I don't want to say has had like the worst luck since coming here, but right. then the lightning happened, sure. and then yeah. the canceled games. Yeah. What do you think has been the hardest thing he's faced coming back to Nebraska? Well, I think... It the lack of success over the years has made everybody just extremely starved for success. So they want it right now. And I get it. It's, you know, you, you see, you know, Urban Meyer, you know, go to Florida and, and win pretty quick. Uh, you see him go to Ohio State and win pretty quick. And you see Saban and you see a handful of these guys that go and, and, and win pretty quick you know some of those situations Ohio State and you know Alabama and Florida I mean these schools are, are uh, not Nebraska in terms of you know the the amount of kids that are in their home state for the most part in order for for Scott and his staff to get in front of you know uh, a lot of quality players they got to get in a plane and they got to go somewhere not to say that there's not good football players in Nebraska but there's only so many. Just you know, the population is not the same as when you get down in Florida and New Jersey right. and places like that. But so it, it it's going to take you know a little bit more work than if they were the staff at University of Florida. Every situation is is different, and I think for Nebraska, it's it's you have so much support from the fans but they also like they Have they, they want to feel yeah the expectations but they also want to feel involved you know because it is it's it's their program you know it's what makes the program special the fact that we can have the lack of success that we've had and we still pack the house every single mm -hmm. saturday i mean none of those places would be able to to, to say that with you know if they took the last 20 years there's a, I'd almost bet the house that somewhere in there they would not have sellouts but now you have social media influence you know and you have all the couch coaches and everybody that's read a big 
Bill Belichick book now, you know, feels like they can run their own franchise. <laughs> you yes. know, it's, yes. it's so like, I can't. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> well, you, you may be able. I to, might but, be able to. Maybe not some other yeah. people though. But you know, it's it's in a lot of ways like the greatest part of this program can also kind of be one of its biggest like hindrances you know like mm -hmm. it's because of the the involvement and the contact now that fans can have with players and if this guy comes in and he's a four or five star guy and and he comes in and he's not lighting the place up you know within the first six games well then you have this part of Husker Nation that's like, oh, he's a bum. Get rid of this bum. You know, like, he can't play. He's garbage. And, you know, it's, 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 it's just not that easy. You know, some guys, they don't, it doesn't, the light doesn't go on for them until sometimes maybe their senior year. Doesn't mean mm -hmm. that, it doesn't mean they're not going to be a good football player. They could end up being a great football player. The clock is just ticking at a different rate for some guys. And lots of times it, it it has to do with maturity, being away from home. How do they deal with that? You know, I mean, I was fortunate. I had my brother here, so there was not that that real Homesick. period of getting through mm -hmm. homesickness and stuff like that. So, you know, all of Christian's friends kind of became my friends. And, you know, almost to the point where it was like, well, once they graduated, now, okay, almost I had to, like, make new friends. Right. But yeah, it's uh, it's 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 different, but it's the same. Like I'm not one of those people that buys into college football. It's so different that somebody like myself or like a Jay Foreman, who we go in there and we try to send this message that those kids won't understand. I don't I don't believe yeah. that for a second. I, I I think at the end of the day, you know, there's still football players. You still need a, a desire to uh, you know succeed and compete at a high level in order to be successful whether it's 1995 or if it's 2021 and there needs to be like kids got to have certain dna i think the thing that, that coaches need to to almost focus in on as they're recruiting is they need to find out if these kids are willing to to work you know a lot of the kids they show up and they want to play like oh I was a five-star kid. I, I should be able to play. You know, Ohio State told me they were going to play me if, if I came there. And now yeah. I'm only third on the depth chart. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? I'm going to put my name in the portal now, and now I'm gone. Yeah. And that's tough when you're a program that's trying to get somewhere. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to have to lose any kid that um, you feel like has talent. But at the same time, you have to also stand on who you are as a coach and as a staff and you know you can't you got to do your best not to bend the rules and say well it's okay for this guy but not for you know these guys right. um because then those other guys they are like well why does he get a different set of rules um so there's a lot of um you know dealing with high school basically you know kids that are a couple of years out of high school and let's be real they're not the most mature kids in the world but you know you, you think about even just big 10 football being played this year you know thank you scott thank you bill moose mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. uh, how about the job that uh you know they did with keeping these kids pretty much safe and everything yeah. you know yeah, that we were one of the only schools that didn't have any real issues mm -hmm. you know it's just uh, there are 
different parts that you know seem to get to where we want to be quicker than, than other parts. But I've got no doubts that we're going to eventually get all the parts up to, to where we want to be. Yeah, when you talk about leadership and how when you played, it was really the yeah. seniors. And I think players now, they want instant success. And when yeah. you were here, like we were so stacked. You're lucky if you start as a junior, maybe yeah. a senior. So yeah. can you just talk about maybe that's why we're lacking leadership, senior leadership in the locker room, because we have all these young guys and they have a chance to play because we don't have that. Yeah, it was. I mean, that, and especially when, you know, Charlie McBride was my position coach as well as defensive coordinator and it was very rare for a young guy to come in and play most guys redshirted and this way you got rid of that you're able to get through that homesickness part um you were able to get bigger faster stronger um and it was really the whole the whole belief i think in coach osborne's system was that if i can get guys here i can redshirt them they're obviously going to be a better player at their you know their their redshirt senior year than when they were a freshman so let's get that year instead of a year where we're sending him out there to what fulfill his own desire that he needs to play a, as a freshman. Nine out of ten times, especially if you're a lineman, it's going to be a, a, a waste of a year just because you go from being the strongest guy on the field to being, you know, a boy playing amongst men for the most mm -hmm. part. Very few linemen are or even guys that kind of are in the front seven on defense linebackers included are going to be able to come in and, and help young just because of the physical differences but you know at the receiver position and the running back position is usually a place where you would see somebody like you know Lawrence Phillips and Mon Green a lot of these guys would be able to come in as true freshmen but you also had you know stud of an offensive line that was blocking for them you know the the support around them was okay where yep. you know guys would cover each other's backs you know over the course of a play and you could get away with with playing more young guys for young guys to be featured yeah it's most likely going to come from a skill position but you know like even the whole thing with the the transfers and you know Wandell and McCaffrey and Scott they get abused you know for for those guys they did every you know they tried to get them to stay but some kids they just don't want to stay you know they get mm -hmm. here at the Lincoln and and uh, they get through you know a, a winter where it's you know three degrees out for a month yeah. and uh, it's like oh I just came from Florida like um, my body's not built for this right now that's just a sign of immaturity because if they were mature enough that they know and they all think they're going to play in the league that, hey, I may get drafted to Green Bay, yeah. so I better learn how to play in the cold, <laughs> yeah. you know, but they're right. just immature at that point, and yeah. they don't know any, they think they know better. Most of them are getting bad advice from back home, you know, yeah. a, a cousin or a dad or somebody who who, who knows football, um, and, and, and he knows what's best for, you know, the kid, you know, so many dads think their kid, oh, he, he, he should be playing more, he should be playing right. more, but, you know, like, it meant something when you had to sit there and you had to watch i remember we had to sit in the stands when we were red shirts for the bowl game 
So when we played Florida State in 93, we had these, like, not even real jerseys that they gave us. We had these, like, fake. They wouldn't even sell them in a store. They were so bad, and we had to wear them, and we had to go in the stands. And I remember there were people, like, sitting around, they'd be like, oh, so are you guys on the team? You know? And it was like, oh, man, just stab me right in the heart. You know, like, it was brutal. It's like, yeah, I'm on the team. What do you mean? But it, it was like, I'll never feel like that again like I'm gonna just work my tail off so hard that you know it will never be a question you know is are you guys on a team or not <laughs> and now it's it's different because if you if you did that with somebody even if he was ready to play like Coach Bride was notorious for playing mind games like you, there were days where I'd have a great practice or so I thought I'd have a great practice and the next day I'd show up and it was like, you don't know shit. You're, you know, he kicked your ass. You know, it was like, oh my God, like, am I, am I that bad? <laughs> but it was always, you know, making sure that you never got, you know, ahead of yourself and you never thought you were better than you, you really were. And it's games like that that are much harder for coaches to play now because it's way too easy for these kids to leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the portal is the the portal is going to ruin college football if if they don't get that thing fixed it will it will ruin college football college sports yeah I mean the whole NCAA needs to get it together yeah they so. do I mean you know even through that whole COVID thing like where was the NCAA and all that nowhere yeah, they nowhere. never came out they never said anything um, it was it was disappointing obviously us in the Big Ten we got we were disappointed by the leadership from within the conference and and then as well as the NCA not really you know letting anybody know what the plan was or what they were going to do or they were just kind of waiting to see I guess what some of these schools were going to do but right um, when I was working at ESPN I worked on college football live with Brock Heward and he um, experienced with the game and I was always talking Huskers with him and a quote from Brock that he said was I could just feel Grant Winstrom, Mike Rucker and Jason Peter before the snap I could just sense them I could feel their breathing and I'm under center and I was like this is a little bit of a different animal what was it like lining up against him yeah well I mean that year especially uh, people thought we were done and which was motivated enough motivation you know certainly for us but Grant and I both had the opportunity to to leave after our junior year, and the only time you'd left really back then was if you were going to be a first rounder. And so Coach Osborne, he told us he's like, you know, you're both going to be first rounders if you want to go. But after '96, we had no intention of doing that. But coming into that season, I think we were like preseason number six or something, and it was basically like this token ranking, like, hey, you guys have won a couple championships mm-hmm. in the last few years, so we'll put you in the top ten. Right. But nobody expected us to do anything. I think we had three or four starters coming back on defense, a few on, on offense. Obviously, Scott was coming back, and Amon, a few of the linemen. But we just never, like, never even crossed our minds. Like, we were coming back. We were coming back to win the championship. That was, that was that was the bottom line, and everything we did was in preparation, or it was for a purpose of of winning a championship. So, if 
there was something going on and and you could a- we could ask ourselves is this going to help us get to where we want to go and if it was no then we didn't do it yeah going out there i had taken a visit to washington that was one of my five visits and so i had a t-shirt and <laughs> i'd always get something you know from from one of the schools that we were playing so for that whole week I would wear this Washington T-shirt under my on my thing, and but we knew it was a huge game. They were number three. They had Brock Huard. They had you know this 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 offense that was just gonna be you know way way too much speed for us and everything else. And we knew the environment we were going in, which we thought always played into our favor. As a defense, we loved going into those sort of environments you know going to Colorado and some of the stuff that you know would be said to us you know from fans sitting mm-hmm. behind us was usually pretty bad but we kind of got off on that stuff mm-hmm. we just kept adding fuel to the fire but we wanted to knock Brock out of the game mm-hmm. as we did all the quarterbacks you know we, not 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 so much that they couldn't play the rest of the season but we wanted to knock him out for that game and, and you know, maybe miss a game or two after that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, when he went down with that ankle, I know, uh, you know, he tried to imply, I guess maybe it was a cheap shot from Grant, which wasn't the case. Grant wouldn't have done that. I would have been more likely to, <laughs> to twist his ankle or something, but... It wasn't me. It was Grant. He just kind of fell on his ankle. But at the end of the day, they ended up being better when Tua Sopa came in and started to run that offense. He was just much more mobile than the other guys. But they had, you know, they had a lot of good players on that team. But we were just, we were just a team on on a mission. And, and I said to to Scott, we were on that sideline. I know what we had went through last year and wasn't going to let it happen again this year. And I remember I found him on the sideline right before kickoff, and I grabbed him, and I said, this thing only goes as far as you're taking us. Just, you know, like, he he wasn't a captain, but he was a quarterback, and he's automatically into some sort of leadership role Mm -hmm. when you're the quarterback at Nebraska. And we needed Scott, uh, you know, to to be that guy in order to be successful because it's going to take, you know, offense, defense, and special teams. And I just told him, I said, look at dude, we're following you on this thing. And, you know, he went out and he, you go back, you can watch that game now and it's fun to watch, you know, like Mm -hmm. you could see, like that was like his kind of coming out party and he just, he was a man on a mission and, and, you know, defense, we played well and, and uh, we were always good on special teams but yeah every now and then you know Brock will say something on social media and I'll have to respond you know just a little another little jab but that's one of the perks I guess when you beat most of the people that you played I love that he loves the Huskers and he loves Scott Frost he loves calling games here so it's fun yeah I know he's he's been a big supporter of of Scott and and uh, since day one so any of those guys, even though they wore different colors, they're all right in my eyes now. Yeah. yeah. I was born into Husker fandom, but okay. I kind of accepted it when you guys were playing, you right. and Christian and Scott. Yeah. And so having you guys all back around is really cool for yeah. my 90s kid self. Um, yeah. What's your first memory of playing with Scott Frost? Well, when Scott came in, and I've told this story before, uh, I don't feel like it's, you know, me 
bashing him or anything, but he came in. We had already we played for one championship. Felt like we were the better team, but mm -hmm. we didn't win. And then we had won one championship. And so now all of a sudden, here comes the quarterback, the golden boy, mm -hmm. you know, who From wants Stanford. to come back mm -hmm. in. Right. Yeah. And it didn't help when he showed up and he had his Stanford Letterman's jacket yeah. when he got off the plane. <laughs> come on. But either way, whether he had a Nebraska jacket on or not, he was going to have to go through the business, you yeah. know. And, and that was something that you had to earn your stripes back then. You know, there was a totem pole, so to speak, a hierarchy, and you started at the bottom and you kind of had to work your way up now. Scott didn't start at the true bottom. Um, and I think a lot of times, even with today, some of that stuff, starting at the bottom and earning your stripes, sometimes, you know, Scott, but he, since he came in a different way, there's elements of that that he may not even truly know, you know, as opposed to, you know, myself coming in or Jay Foreman or any mm -hmm. of those uh, other guys. But when Scott came in, he had the run scout team against that 95 defense. And so on that defensive line, it was me, myself and Christian and Grant and Jared Tomich. Mm -hmm. We could get after people, you know, it was not the friendliest bunch that you had to practice against every day and there were times where he definitely had a target on him we weren't trying to hurt him we were just trying to welcome him to head. the team yeah, yeah. We, were, we, we were gonna mess with his head a little bit so there was always a shot after he you know threw the ball or handed the ball off we were always kind of always getting inside of his dome there were times where he would take his helmet off and he'd throw it on the ground and he would be frustrated and we'd be back in the huddle and we'd be laughing and we'd be like, he's, he's done. He's not going to come back. He's going to quit. That's the final straw. And he always came back, you know, and he always ran scout team quarterback as hard as he could. And that's ultimately, you know, what it's about is about competing in practice. And then eventually, you know, that season is over and it's like, all right, well, now you're one of us you've earned that right you know you're not just the guy that's just transferring in so from there on he was our quarterback and you know some people uh at times i'm trying to think what game that was but you know where there was some boo well that was in 97 the mm -hmm. boo birds but i know like when we went out to arizona state he gets a lot of blame for that yep. and that's not necessarily his fault i don't care who would who was back there he didn't have any time you know he was barely getting his feet set and there was you know a defensive end that was breathing down his neck uh you know a couple bad snaps here and there a couple bad pitches and you know end up losing the game but he's a trooper and he you know fought back and we felt like we had a pretty good football team in 96 and by the time that we got to the end of the season we felt like we win, We could win a national championship. I mean, I'm a firm believer that the 96 defense was probably the best defense that we had during those 90s years. But, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't get it done. But I don't know if, you know, if we win in 96, if number one, Grant and I even come back. Maybe we're even as a team, we're not as hungry, you know, in 97. Yeah. You know, everything kind of happens for a reason. But really was when you look back at that time you know it was the leadership that we had that was able to keep those teams competing at such a high level year after year after year it was just real leaders that were just taking this thing and just kind of jamming it home and 
not accepting anything other than excellence, I guess you could say, you know, as, as a team. Worked our tails off, and Scott knows that part of Nebraska football, and that's what he's trying to instill down there in them, that every day that you go out there, you're competing as hard as you can go. Like, no job is ever safe. I missed some practices following Colorado game in 97. I'm returning, you know, first team all conference. I'm up for, you know, the major awards and stuff. And I had to sit out practice because of back spasms. And all I was thinking was somebody else is going to get my reps. <laughs> what if that guy is going to, you know, be better? What, what, what if, what if uh, Coach McBride playing one of his mind games or whatever, you know, decides that he's going to start him, you know, and it was just like your job was that ne you never felt comfortable. You never felt safe. You were always going out battling for your job, uh, battling for your reps. Um, yeah, so that's that's something that is different, I think, for these kids, especially with the amount of attention that they get now coming out of high school. I think mm -hmm. that's also part of the problem with the portal thing is that recruiting has become such like this extravagant sort of deal that these kids, they love to be recruited. Right. They love the attention. They mm -hmm. love everybody telling them how great they are. But the thing that they need to realize is it's a whole lot better when you have success at your school and then people are telling you how great you are and how good you, you of a player you are. You know, that's really stuff with great. recruiting, that, that's short-lived. You know, yep. you, that, that lasts for a month or two, and then it's gone. And then you got to actually do it for real. Mm -hmm. So you can keep running, and most of those guys that end up leaving and going somewhere else, a lot of them end up going somewhere else again after that, and yep. very rarely do you hear about those guys having a lot of success. Yeah, so you talk about that season with Scott Frost and how you kind of welcomed him in, and then he was part of one of the guys. And so what's, like, your craziest story of going out on O Street with the boys? What do you got for us? Oh, well, you know, people like to think that we were just tearing O Street apart. <laughs> that was, you know, we had one night that we would go out. That was after the games. No, there would be some guys... The younger red shirts and stuff, they could go out whenever they wanted, as long as they were ready to go and practice. But for the most part, we just went out after a game. And if we lost, like uh, Arizona State or Texas, then you didn't see us again for, you know, like a week until we've had a chance to redeem ourselves. But telling my kids, actually, the other day that when we were freshmen, we lived over in Harper Hall. It was like myself and John Zadiska and a bunch of other offensive and defensive linemen. And we would be going out as red shirts. And, you know, we would do a fair amount of drinking and stuff. And we'd come home, and those parking lots are like no parking spots left. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there was this one kid that. He drove, like, this little, like, Fiat thingy, right? <laughs> Tiny little, like, red sports car. And we would <laughs> we would come home at, like, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever, and no parking spaces, so we would find this guy's car, and, like, four of us would get out, and we would lift oh, the car, God. and we would put it in, like, the bushes, like, in, like, the center, like, divider, right? <laughs> Wow. So, this was just a kid that you so guys didn't know. Uh, okay. No, we didn't know at the time. <laughs> but, like, 
when I moved back to Nebraska, I was doing like a signing or something somewhere, and this kid comes up to me and he's like, "You don't know me, but he's like, I used to own that that little red car. You guys used to every you know Sunday morning, I'd come out and the thing would be in the bushes, and oh. uh, yeah, so it was pretty That's funny. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we uh, we had fun. We 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 did things you know together. I mean, we'd go. The defensive line always did things, you know, with Coach McBride, and uh, he had like a lake house uh, up in Fremont or something, and everything was always kind of, you know, about forming, keeping that brotherhood together. Because at the end of the day, not that we don't want them to have any sort of communication or to be cordial or nice with people outside of the program, but we want them to also know that at the end of the day, the only thing that the only opinion that matters are the opinions of the people that are inside those walls yep. down there at the stadium. You know, so don't get caught up in what, you know, all the Twitter coaches are saying about, you know, whether you're a good player or not, because those guys have probably never had a jock strap on in their life, <laughs> you know, never hit anybody, yep. never, never done a darn thing. Yep. And don't let them dictate, you know, your mood or how you feel about you yeah. a, as a player because they don't have a, an idea as to how hard you're working and, and doing, you know, what we're asking you to do. Yeah, definitely. Whew. Man, how good is this episode? It's my favorite one so far. It's getting so good. Jason has a lot more to say, so that will be in the next episode. Yes, stay tuned for part two. Of a three-part series. Of a three-part series. Jason's going to talk about his book, some of the life experiences that he has, and then we're going to have a lot of fun with him. And he gives the most solid confession that we've had so far, and it's even like a two-part confession. It is a two-part confession from Jason Peter. Keep listening. That's up next. This is Kylie Ossendorf and Megan Williams, and this is the Poppin' Kernels podcast. See ya.